Hello there, and welcome to Coffee and Wrestling, a wrestling podcast. My name is Jamie. And I'm Mark. And we are an over-caffeinated couple who enjoy sitting down with a fresh pot of coffee and, you know, watching large sweaty men throw each other around till one lays down for the one, two, three. And uh, this week we're talking about uh, AEW. AEW Dynamite, AEW Rampage. Uh, it's going to be a while till we talk about some AEW pay-per-views. We've got Revolution and I think March. I think March, yeah. March. Um, but yeah, we're talking about Dynamite. From uh, the first, no. Uh, Dynamite was twelve twenty eight. Happy and New Year! Wait, yeah, we welcome. Start anything, Happy New Year! Welcome to the first podcast of twenty twenty three. Now, of course, you'll be hearing this on the second of January, but either way, we hope you had a wonderful Christmas, a wonderful New Year, um, filled with all kinds of sweaty men pinning you down, doing whatever you want them to for do. their holidays. I mean, some people are into that. You have absolutely got that right. But at any rate, let's talk about Ethan Page and Brian Danielson, who started off this week's episode of Dynamite. And what a way to start it off. You have a seasoned veteran going up against a guy who is probably either in his prime or getting close to his prime. Uh, Definitely not in his prime of what we've seen on TV. Ethan Page took on Danielson in a match that was a wonderful showcase of how hard-hitting Brian Danielson is and how... (laughs) Honest to God, how strong and powerful Ethan Page can be. Absolutely. There was a couple times where Ethan Page literally picked Brian Danielson up, like off of the ground, threw him up on right. his shoulder, and gave him power slam. And it was a great execution of his strength. And you got to think, um, you got to think, Brian Danielson, he's, he's an average man's size. Like when we're talking wrestlers, you know, you got a couple, most wrestlers are usually on the bigger side, you know, 220, 230. They're, you know, usually larger. But Brian Danielson's like just a normal run of the mill guy. He's probably like one ninety two hundred. He's probably like five ten, maybe maybe six foot. Uh, I've heard he's actually a little bit shorter than that. So I mean, this is Ethan Page manhandling a normal sized man like he was a baby. Yeah, he really did. Numerous times did he deadlift, you know, uh, you know, suplexes and I mean, just the feats of strength that he did it was it was insane. But at this, but Brian Danielson did not fail at any in any way to impress by doing as many technical things as he could with somebody as large as that he was. did. He did a lot of technical things, but he, he did those very quick, hard hitting moves that Brian Danielson does where he comes in with the knee. He comes in with just uh, unbelievably hard hitting shots. And I think this honestly was one of my favorite matches that I've seen of Ethan Page in AEW. Oh, he yeah. looked phenomenal. But was- before, before we get too far into what happened, in this match, we have to take a moment to talk about what happened as the match was starting, and that was that MJF was up in the balcony, and he had who he said was the only hot woman in Colorado with him. She was pretty hot. I mean, I, I, she looked a lot like Shotzi. One hundred percent. Like she had the alternative alternative goth. Uh, she's a wrestler. I think her. I, I can't remember her. Daddy. Uh, do, Daddy Doom. Daddy D A D Z I. And when you look at her, she she has like the leather officer cap and she's got the the little bullwhip like it makes sense mm-hmm. um i i really don't know what that i think i don't know if that was just a dig at colorado oh for sure it was a dig at colorado i to be honest with you i just i didn't i didn't really like the whole mjf aspect of the match uh, yeah i thought it was kind of corny and unnecessary it was because it wasn't like he was going to start like making out with her we, we all clearly know that he's engaged well even beyond that there was there was for somebody who's you know talking about how 
I don't know. He's better than everybody. He's sure as hell has no problem showing his face and just trying to rub it in everywhere. And it's just like, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm supposed to hate it. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> but it was just one of those like, yeah, I could have done without that. Because yeah. it wasn't like he was supporting Ethan Page and talking shit to Brian Danielson, which obviously that's what they're building up to. Right. It wasn't like it bothered Brian or distracted him in any way. Right, right. I just, I don't know. It was, I think it was just there exactly like you said to kind of annoy you right kind of just to be like what the hell is that just to kind of put him in there without bringing him down but it kind there. of felt it kind of felt like they were trying to it was almost it almost made ethan page feel like the third wheel like he you knew like oh well this is obviously the storyline with him is going to be ending really okay. soon because, i didn't take it like that but i can see that way but you know what i mean like if you're, you're you're trying to put over one feud over another and you're just i don't know Either way, I, I'm I'm thinking way too much into it. Great match, it you know. It was really fun. There was some really, again, hard hitting ten technical moves. Right. One thing I really liked was uh, Ethan Page like got some leverage off the bottom rope and gave Brian Danielson a cutter. Yeah, was like that, that was, was really good. unexpected. There was a lot of really unexpected moves and a lot of uh, I don't know. It just it was great. It was exactly what I expected in that regard. But there was a lot of good. Uh, just progress on Ethan Page and a good way of showing it off. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, he's been he's been a great he's a great talent, um, and I think he's really been able to hone that in on because he's been on a lot of dark. He's been a lot on a lot of uh-huh. elevation, and uh, he's wrestled a lot. He does a lot of independent stuff. He was yeah. in, on Impact, so he's um, no slouch. Like no. he's got he's got good moves, but I think he's I think he's there's an artwork. The there's an artwork to doing it on a television. Yes, and I think yes. a lot of a lot of wrestlers in AEW need. Not need work, but a lot of wrestlers before they get on TV need that work because they've never been on TV before. Sure. They've been in a wrestling match and things work in a wrestling match because at any angle you have fans looking at you, but in a TV aspect, you have the main camera looking at the ring that is the main shot. Right. And we'll get into that uh, later on with Death Triangle and the Elite and how their camera work like plays into the story. Right. And you have to understand that. And I think Ethan Page is really gotten a good handle on that obviously brian danielson's got years of that behind him. sure um but this like you said it's just been a great showcase of where he's been able to flourish into the the wrestling television style right and he's been heel obviously for a while but this is like a different version of it it's like more aggressive heel not just the oh you hate me okay i see why you know it like seems he like used that's to be with scorpio sky now he's like you hate me that's fine like i'm going to beat the shit and it out seems of you. like that's going to be the the recurring theme with the firm and and it shows you know ethan did not pick up the win here um unfortunately right. i think like you've said before uh he picked up brian danielson ended up picking up the win with he made the, him pass just out. the lamest ending I, you know when it first started happening with the blackpool combat club um it, it it was like, okay, cool. It was kind of, there's overly violent uh, faction and it's great. I just feel like every single match that the Blackpool Combat Club is in, somebody passes out. Somebody gets into a submission and lights go out, eyes roll in the back of their head. It's, I don't know. I, it, it, it's like the surprise roll up or the dis- the uh, distraction finish. It just Right. I th- I feel like AEW has pulled that card so many times in the past six months. It's overdone. It's way overdone. Yeah. It's way I- overdone. I think it would have been okay for Ethan Page to have tapped to Brian Danielson in this this circumstance. Oh, yeah. You know, I think Ethan looked great. And, of course, as Brian Danielson, like, it's not like it's a bad loss for Ethan Page. It was still a it great just, 
loss. Right. You know, and, and, and I think that would have been okay in the circumstance, but they still had to be, you know, overdoing that that finisher. And there was just, no need for him to pass out. Like there's No. You make somebody look just entirely way too weak. Like do it every once in a while. You do it as a shtick on a promo where somebody gets, you know, attacked from behind and they get put in a, a cross face and they pass out from that and, and it's it's one and done. Like great. Okay, good. But when you end matches time and time again and it's and I feel like we're kind of we've talked about this before, we're falling back into where Brian Danielson's getting win after win after win after win. Not that I'm not enjoying his matches. I just feel like, you know, after a while, like how many times are we going to see him win before we're just like, okay, why are we putting him on TV? We know he's just going to win. He's just, and the only reason he doesn't have the title is because he hasn't gone against right. the title. Right, he hasn't just, fought MJF yet. You know what I mean? And it's, <laughs> I mean, maybe that's what it is. Maybe they're building up to Danielson finally losing his, his streak because he's been on a you know, nonstop streak unless it's a tag match. Right. You know. Maybe. And then he takes that big L to MJF, which just elevates him. his career even bigger. Yeah, like he needs that. No, he doesn't. <laughs> Up next, we had a real quick backstage interview with Wardlow, who was talking about his upcoming match that is the main event for Dynamite with Samoa Joe when he came out with a pipe and cracked Wardlow over the knee with it. Yep, Samoa Joe ran out and just obliterated his right knee and... I don't know, that was about it, but I, I, I really kind of, honest to God, liked this. It was only like a 60-second-long seg- 60 segment, but I really liked this because it was a thread that they strung throughout the entire show. Right. Like, it wasn't one of those, you know, it was a segment and then it was never mentioned again. This had something to do with the main, main title, and throughout the entire night, they kept referencing back, we still haven't heard a, a medical update on Borgo's knee, if he's going to be able to participate. Granted, it was, you know, not the most exciting thread throughout the entire night, but I, I do enjoy that AEW was looking at that uh, to making you interested in staying, watching the show. Yeah, it was a good storyline, the you way know, to hold the story together. Right, and, and it, it, was, it, it grasped your attention. And like I said, it was a little, it was a little bit far-fetched for me. I think it, it was a little bit cheap, um, but it kept you interested. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, what are they going to do? Wardlow's got a bad knee now. Right. Good He's nod to Nancy Kerrigan esque, like right, Olympics right. situation here. And we'll talk about it later. But I just, I, I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed them planting this. You know, I'm always about them planting them seeds, but this was like a seed within the show. And it right. made you want to sit there and watch the tree grow. It made you want to see, okay, what are they doing with this now? Like, right. Because uh, even Excalibur said, as far as we know, the match is still going to happen. It was one of those things that, like, nobody was supposed to know if this match was actually going to go down. Right. And they had, like, numerous times where they referenced, um, you know, he's not cleared yet. You know, we, they were re- basically saying, like, we don't know if he's going to be cleared to, right. to be able to participate. Uh, after that, Hangman Adam Page was backstage with Dark Order. And Renee Paquette kind of went in there to poke the bear and said, you know, don't mean to be rude, which it totally was. Uh, just want to ask you if you're medically cleared. And he said, to fight you know, my husband. Yeah, you know, <laughs> uh, he basically said that he wasn't cleared at the moment. Um, doctor tr- said was that. trying to get better. He was hoping within two weeks he'd be better. Well, they wink, had a doctor wink, wink, nudge, there. Nudge. They had a doctor there, kind of going, "Well, you know, with your, uh, I mean, yeah, just egging on the fact that they're they're gonna have the match January 11th in front of you know all the TNT officials. Exactly. Same night, which is gonna be the match seven of the Elite versus." 
the death triangle for the trios tag team titles. I mean, it, it, it's all right. It's <laughs> if you if if you follow wrestling, there's no way you don't understand that this is this is that January 11th is more than likely they're gonna they're gonna match up. Oh, and they're for finally sure. gonna have the match for that, sure that but- they weren't able to finish exactly but it, again is funny because they're like we're not sure if he's going to be able to make it and then eventually i think it's on rampage john moxley comes out and he like hits his promo in the st- uh, you know in the ring about if you can make it hangman and if you're cleared i'll see you in la and it was just like okay you know we're kind of doing the same thing if, if he's I, cleared if he's I, cleared i did find it funny that john moxley a man who at one point when he was cutting a promo with mjf couldn't remember the day of the pay-per-view like, right the only one of four are we fighting saturday or sunday you know and now all <laughs> of a sudden we have john moxley and he's able to call out the venue the day the like the prestige of how much <laughs> uh, of how much this match and in, and in, in this day yeah. means if you, if you can make it to the prestigious la whatever <laughs> la just, forum or whatever it is like yeah. you know he had that shit like the rock written on the back of his hand i gotta get this shit right yep so as we had said before, Renee Paquette was the one doing the interview and she said, well, Hangman, I shouldn't be telling you this, but John Moxley has his match next, you know, with Claudio and uh, Hangman kind of sits up and Dark Order kind of holds him back and no, don't do it. You're not cleared. You're not cleared. And the whole thing was ridiculous. And it just led into John Moxley and Claudio Castagnoli versus Top Flight. Um, but there's been a lot of matches between these these particular guys lately. Yep, we had uh, John Moxley took on Darius Martin uh, last week, which was a great match between the two of them. It was. Uh, that rampage, we had the 300K trios tag Three casino, King casino Royale battle, battle, battle trios with cheese. <laughs> um, and they ended up, uh, Top Flight ended up wrestling or being the last three with Claudio. They end up eliminating Claudio for the win. Uh, so this is now culminated to it is now a tag match between John Moxley, Claudio, and Top Flight. And if this, if I didn't know that wrestling wasn't pre-scripted, I would have thought these guys just wanted to beat the shit out of these two kids. It it felt legitimate, real. Like it, it, it I I really like that they've taken the opportunity for people like John Moxley and Claudio and Brian. And I know this is all Blackpool Combat Club, but these people to be these seasoned veterans that come in and put these other guys over because top flight looked great no matter what. But in this scenario, they looked fantastic. Oh yeah. You know, they, they just know how to put people over and make everybody look really good. But Darius and Dante work so well with each other. Of course they're Mm -hmm. brothers, but they just have a great dynamic of being able to bounce off each other's energy. The, the energy was just off the roof. Exactly. Like they just, they sync up perfectly, and I, I actually really enjoyed this match. It was a great match. It really was. The two, the two styles, and WWE has a hard time sometimes doing this, and I, I feel like AEW doesn't as much. I'm not saying that the matches are better than AEW or WWE's, but I feel like a lot of AEW wrestlers are able to combine the flippy-floppy wrestling with that hard-hitting, strong style uh, that... John Moxley and I mean Claudio is not really strong style, but you know that just extremely, extremely violent style of wrestling, and they're able to add them together and combine them so well, and and use the the brute strength of one tag team and the agility of another tag team, and create moments that they're they're great, they're they're just amazing, and especially with how young they are, how young uh, Top Flight is, 
the the sky's the limit with the with oh, those the potential two. Potential like, is just un- limitless. I don't know what their contract looks like with AEW. I'm assuming they're locked down for at least a couple of years. But honest to God, I could see them making the transition over to WWE once WWE becomes. It kind of brings more younger talent of the newer generation into the sure. fold. Hopefully for Tony Khan, that's not the situation. Of course not. Like I, I would not. I don't want to really want yeah. to see Top Flight go anywhere. They but I'm just the... saying they have. I mean, good God, could you imagine Top Flight in NJPW? Like the oh, styles, sure. like they, sure. it would be insane. They clash very well with that, and that's the thing about Top Flight is they flash, they clash well with any style. Anybody they go up against, they're able to just kind of work with them like you said the the flippy floppy but also the very hard-hitting styles of everybody and in this match top flight would not go down claudio no. and and john were giving it literally everything to try to keep these two down and they just kept bouncing up and they kept coming back and at one point claudio straight like turned and just oh, hit yeah. i don't know who it was i think darius, was darius yeah. with the with the yeah, strongest <laughs> lariat and just knocked him out. That's because John Moxley had Dante out there and hit with that massive paradigm shift, mm-hmm. which left him on his head. Looking oh, like, for like three whole seconds. It oh, was insane. It was good. Um, John Moxley, of course, giving the finger with the fuck you to the camera. And I think we're starting to see shades of a little bit of heel turn for the BCC. For both, really. And I'm, I'm excited to see. I mean, John Moxley, he's always he's teetered that line. He's only been sure. He's only been on the face side because fans have gone over about it. but. Great match. They they absolutely obliterated him. Um, and actually, I think they ended up getting a, getting a pin. I was thinking that they, that this is another one they made him pass out, but they ended up getting another pin. Um, and I, I, whatever was left of Top Flight, I I'm sure they have used up their entire company's budget of ice packs because I couldn't imagine <laughs> how sore they are. But great match between the four the four of them. Really good. So following a very exciting tag team match, we had Hook came out and he just did another job. Or Balaam Lynx was his name. Uh, got maybe, what, a minute 15 TV time of the poor guy. That's with entrances after everything. Well, if the guy didn't even get a name. Like He didn't even get an entrance. Like They just no. straight Hook came out, jobbed him out. and But the action Bronson barely stopped speaking before. Oh, yeah. Started again, and we see Stokely Hathaway and the firm come down. Lee with, Moriarty, Big Bill. They came down and went to. Att- they started attacking Hook. Like I just same shit we did last week, except now Jungle Boy came came from the back with a two by four. Yep, and very gently hit Big Bill in the back a couple of times, <laughs> and we're, I, I guess we're setting up a feud. Or a tag team? I don't Perhaps. know. I don't Hook know. And Jungle Boy versus Lee and Big Bill. I don't. I don't know what we're doing here. I'm really kind of enjoying the firm, but this is the one thing I'm. I'm not looking really forward to. Like I agree. I I think there's absolutely no reason to have Hook be in a tag team with anybody. No. Or Jungle Boy. I mean, you just took him out of a tag team forever. Yeah. You can make Jungle Boy a serious competitor without. Putting him in another tag Put team. Put him Same against with Hook. Hook. Well, that's what I was going to say. Have them fight up against each other. And there's obviously something that's brewing between Hook and, and Big Bill. And yeah. okay. But I'm not really sure where, where you're going to 
go with that because if you have Hook absolutely annihilate Big Bill, he's gonna make him look like an. This is the bitch. only match he's ever had. Mm-hmm. Is, is the one that they're setting up for. He hasn't even done a match as a signed AEW, com- you know, uh, employee. Right. You can't just knock the shit out of Big Bill. Have Hook do that and expect Big Bill to have a really good career in AEW. I feel like I, that's a really shitty move. I'm hoping this this is going to be Hook's heel turn. Okay. I'm hoping that Hook, they start teasing a tag team between Jungle Boy and Hook. They start teasing good times between Jungle Boy and Hook. And then when Jungle Boy's back is turned a little bit, Hook realizes the writing on the wall and attacks Jungle Boy. Yeah. And turns heel. But isn't this, cut. didn't that already happen? Like, a couple but months I think, ago I think, with Luchasaurus. <laughs> yes and no, but I think Hook needs to be heel. Yeah. I think he's he's stagnant as a face. He comes out, people cheer, he jobs somebody out, and then he goes in the back. Uh-huh. If he ever loses as a face, it's going to ruin him. Oh, I absolutely agree. It's going to ruin agree. his credibility. But he should be coming out and like interfering in people's matches. He should be going into people in the locker room before the matches start and beating up somebody so the match doesn't happen. Like, he should be, like, an enforcer in a sense. a heel. (laughs) Well, like, a mega heel to, like, where the matches aren't happening because Hulk's attacking people, you know? Like, things like that are breaking up matches because he won't stop beating the shit out of somebody or, you know, he he Going above and beyond after the bell. Yeah, well, he doesn't stop at the rope break. He goes until... You and know, I mean, he does that. Five. He he hits his finisher and he holds it for you know five extra seconds after the bell, mm-hmm. but then lets him go. He stands up, grabs his belt, walks out. Right, doesn't give a shit. I, I, I you develop the character. Give me something to bite into with him. Yeah, I, I agree. Like I love Hook. I love his energy. I love his like lack of charisma. I guess he's got a very Orange Cassidy feel to him. But I feel like you got to do something with it. You're only gonna have. You can only do so much with them as a face doing 45 second to 60 second matches every week or every few weeks. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to Death Triangle versus the Elite. Match six, falls count anywhere. Where the hell do we start? Um, I don't know. It was chaos <laughs> out the box. We didn't even get into the ring. We started in backstage hallway yeah like a five foot wide hallway if that yeah uh brick hallway and they went through pseudo catering and off of random like i always wonder what all that shit is back there you know you know what i mean they're just like random silver and black things that are stacked i'm sure they're like yeah there's like a like a storage rack or something i don't know if it held chairs or what it held but Pac did a moonsault off of it right they had i don't know how i got up there i love the two random tables that had food on them yep next to all of that like they're just like uh yeah put those two those two tables right over there let's go ahead (laughs) and put those with the cookies on there uh i did read uh (laughs) we're trying to catch up on some notes i was reading somebody uh on the bleacher report reviewing talking about the match so just refreshing my memory and uh he said and uh matt jackson took out an entire tray of cookies in one swoop move and now he has heat with this reporter and i thought that was just <laughs> so apparently some people took some uh issue to him destroying an entire plate of cookies i'd like to think that the fine wrestlers of aw in the back uh did not let those cookies go to waste uh my first my first thought was maybe johnny hungy Maybe I don't even know what his new name oh, is. Former them. Preston Vance. Oh yeah. The hell did he say his name? Was? I I wrote it down and I didn't write it down again. Preston Vance's 
<laughs> no longer Preston Vance. He is Preci- something that Pre- sounds I don't know. way better. Great. Um, so we finally do make our way out to the ramp down to the the ramp, not even to the ring, not even to the ring. Finally, get out the hallway yep. and into the entrance and, uh, and through the gorilla position, yep. and now up to the top of the ramp. And Ray climbs up where like the Titan Tron is and does a tornado. No, he didn't even climb up. He just he appears. Yeah, he's just he just fucking there. shows up. Like, and, and this is one of those <laughs> matches where people just oh, there's there's Ray just on top of the thing, and you have to give the again the cameraman the absolute biggest regards to how well they kept track of of everybody because definitely these guys it. are so intense and so quick and everybody's hitting moves on everybody at the same time and they didn't miss a beat and it's funny because you see a lot of like we were talking about the the claudio mocks and um top flight match where that paradigm shift that he hit on the outside that it was like half of it was missed by the camp by the camera crew or whoever was choosing yeah, the they cameras. had to do a replay they, kevin dunn fucked it up and didn't choose that one so they had to do a replay and that was just a tag team match this was three sets of two men fighting in all different par- parts of the ring yes three right. sets of yep, two men i had to yeah. think about it yep I'm, i math good you did um but they had to keep up with the action and they did a very good job there was a couple spots they missed the pin at the end with kenny they missed like the first uh, one and they showed up like halfway through the second count. Yep. It was about the only thing they did. So if anything, they got about a 90%. But a 90% For on, this a, much on action. a six-man tag mm-hmm. anywhere falls match, great match. So bef- again, before they even got to the ring, uh, there was a great spot with Matt Jackson. And he did uh, Northern Lights on pack all the way down the rampway and eventually ended up picking Ray. up Ray as well. Got a double. Great, it was great series of events. You had insane. You had one of the most vicious knees by Kenny Omega. Yeah, after came, that tornado, he came out of the he came out of the hole and just absolutely destroyed Ray. Uh huh. Just put that him V-trigger. on his ass. Um, I felt it from home. Oh yeah, it was the <laughs> the entire match. These guys must have sat down six weeks ago and like, okay, I mean, obviously the Lucha Brothers and uh, Young Bucks have had their. I mean, sure. they've all had their their. But matches the, against each the elite other. must have worked on this the whole time they were out. They must have. Like, well, I mean, to be honest with you, like, that's a whole different. That's a whole <laughs> monster. But we it can seems go into. it seems like it's been planned for a long time because of how well a lot of thought was put the, into the it. moves and the precision of everything worked out. But also, got to take a moment to say that Kenny Omega looks phenomenal for somebody who was out for as long as he was for as many injuries and for the severity of injuries. Yes, you are a hundred percent right. He out of everybody, look, honest to God, the best. If you, you know those most improved awards that kids get oh, yeah. throughout the school year? 100% he would have gotten that because he has caught back up to where he was and then gone above and beyond. And it's a good damn thing because he's got a hell of a match with Will Ospreay coming up here in a couple of days. Oh, man. I, unfortunately, with the with the time zone difficulties actually, of Japan, it's on Wednesday. Actually, on Wednesday, okay. Wednesday morning, and that's I guess one of the reasons why a lot of the AEW guys did not go over to Wrestle Kingdom was for that reason. They have Dynamite the same night. Got you. That's a shame. Yeah, it is that's unfortunate, but well, we will, we will be keeping our ear to the ground. I get up fairly early mm-hmm. in the morning for work, um, so I will probably be the closest one to hear anything. Yeah, that's um, definitely going to be one of those whenever you get home from work. It's immediate watch. Right. The heat between these two guys have been going on for so long. Again, when Kenny was hurt, Will was out there talking a lot of smack. I mean, he was in AEW wrestling matches while Will, uh, while Kenny was out. 
Right. Um, and this is finally happening in the, the And we did get promos. a glimpse. We did get a glimpse of them because it was three on three we, we, between them, but it's never, we, uh, you and I have never watched a one-on-one. Yeah. Two, and I think it's only happened two other times. Yeah. But the promos between these two have just been insane. The shit that Kenny said about Will Ospreay, you know, basically saying that he knows he let the fans down and mm-hmm. he shouldn't have put such, you know, a, a big plate, you know, a big meal on uh, Will's on plate. plate. Right. And, uh, well, actually, Will just did, recently did an interview prior to Wrestle Kingdom um, talking about Kenny Omega. And he even was very similar in being uh, recognizing the accolades of Kenny Omega and what his abilities are and how talented of a wrestler he is. Uh, but in the same stroke, same thing, he says, but I, you know, he gave me the torch and left, and I have been running with this torch and doing better than yeah. what Kenny Omega has done since he's left. Um, so I, I, that I mean, we're getting on a tangent, but I know, I know, and I know we need, we're talking about AEW, but I'm going to take a little bit of a left hand t- skirt and, uh, skirt when I drive. What, what do you think the odds that Kenny Omega is going to win that belt off of Will? I think this is the I think IWGP I think United States Heavyweight Championship. I think this is the final torch passing, and I think Will's going to win. Now, will I go as far as saying that I think that Will's going to kick out of the one winged angel? Possibly. I think this Ooh. might be it. But I think about, okay, think about this though. Kenny Omega, you can't argue that in Kenny Omega's mind, NJPW is the, the top of the pile of, of wrestling. Of course, of course. He's, AEW is right along with it in his, his eyes, but you know damn well that his bread and butter is NJPW. Absolutely. That's what that kid grew up on. That's what he grew into, and that's what he's developed. And made a name for himself. I could see Will Ospreay becoming that. Taking the reins of the eastern portion of wrestling. Mm -hmm. Compared to the western portion where Kenny Omega will probably reside. Where he's originally from. Where he's starting to get beat up and getting towards the end of his career. Let's not be silly about this he of is course. really starting to get beat up and he can't you can't do this for much longer he's what he's my age i believe uh-huh I, and i mean i'm i'm no i'm no athlete by any means but i feel it getting closer to 40 you know it's it's you're deteriorating and i could see if he would want to end it on top in his own company on his own soil of you know basically where he lives you know oh sure but going out too. on top in in japan where he made his name where he is a legend uh-huh. in, in his own right. But also Kenny has been one to hold titles for other companies and, and be a part of AEW. You know, when he of had course. his reign as champion, he held several other titles. He was the impact champion as well. And NJPW and AEW have a very, very strong relationship. Right. So right it now. is possible that he of could course. win it. Kenny was actually the inaugural of champion of this particular belt. Right. In uh, 2017, Kenny won it for himself for the first time anyone had ever won the belt. So... Well, Coming we'll see here in a couple days. Be very interesting. We but. will see here in a couple days. But coming right. back to the trios tag match, um, the elite ended up getting the win in a. Again, we were talking about camera work. We had, mm-hmm. and uh, we're talking Pac, about the one winged angel, right? We had Pac <laughs> and Matt Jackson in the ring, and Pac had him in. Oh God, I can't remember the name of it, but that, that gnarly submission that Pac always gets everybody in, and it looked like he had him, but the camera split over to Kenny Omega and Ray Phoenix, and he had. Ray Phoenix in upside down on his shoulders and hits him with the one winged angel through two tables yep. from a, off the stage, off the whatever. 
and is able to loop his legs around and get the one, two, three, and mere a second and a half after the three count from Rick Knox, Matt Jackson taps mm-hmm. in ring before the bell even rings. Right. The Wayward Sons is playing. Wayward, know, yeah, which I thought was weird. Wayward Sons playing as Matt's tapping. And Hawk rolls over, still believing that he, went, that he won. They announced that it, it was the elite that have clinched game six, and we're going to a game seven, which is going to be a ladder match in SoCal on January 11th. Right, where the Young Bucks are from. Where the Young Bucks are from. Holy shit. TNT and TBS and Warner Brother executives are going to be in-house yep. watching. And these guys just don't disappoint, you know? And again, we talk about it every time. A lot of people just really weren't excited about all these matches that keep happening with the Young Bucks and uh, I was uh, Kenny one of those. Omega and Death Triangle. I know you were. You were once. I think Kenny uh, announced the stipulations. Mm-hmm. I really think that elevated everything. And the mm-hmm. idea of these guys putting on a ladder match, I am so so excited to see what's going to happen with this. It's and if you've watched. I brought it up before the Lucha Brothers and the Young Bucks when the the Lucha Brothers won the championships. Oh, steel cage match. The intensity that was in that match, the storytelling, the the blood, the, the bloodshed, the exhaustion, the oh, the emotion that was involved in that. Because this is two sets of brothers, you know. It's, oh yeah. It's, I think something that people forget about with these guys is. You know, you have two sets of brothers, and then you got Kenny Omega and Pac, who are two of the think, hardest hitting guys in say, wrestling. They, tell me, those are not two of the most stubborn fighters in AEW. Absolutely, in wrestling, they you literally have to damn near sure. kill these two in ring, mm-hmm. in kayfabe, in order to get the win on them. Exactly. Like it, it the 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 match the uh, between the tag team of two brothers and these two individuals, it's insane. I I, I was one of those that didn't. I wasn't excited about this. I was like, really, we're going to get seven? Because everybody knew it's going to go to seven. You're not going to have your top, your champion tag team and your top tag team not go seven. It it, it just no way in hell, especially with where it was going to end. I'm very, very happy that there's no bullshit. There was no shenanigans. There was, and yeah, okay, there were shenanigans in the idea that it's a wrestling show. But there was no, I don't know, like, I felt like they did this right. I they really did. felt like they did the build-up good. I felt like they gave the they gave Death Triangle, like, all the momentum at first. But they, they gave, like, a little bit of hope for when they, because they didn't make it super unbelievable to where the Elite didn't win a single match. Because they could have gone three and zero and then had the Elite win four straight. But you and I, we watch hockey enough. That's fucking damn near Nobody impossible. Nobody wants to see that either. No, t- no, pe- no person's team. When you're going into game four, where you're down three games, you're not going, boy, can't wait for game five, because you're just going, well, game five is just going to be another tug on my heartstrings until they inevitably Exactly. You're not looking forward to it. No. And I think that's what made this so exciting, was it it made you want to watch the next match to see what was going to happen. They started it off well, but they ended it well, again, with the the cinematic shots with the camera guys, uh, Pac thinking that he won, and then being super pissed when he realized he didn't. I think it was either Matt or Nick that was like standing over there in the ring uh, next to uh, Pac after he realized it must have been Nick that yep. he didn't win. And Nick he was, was just like up. seven, 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 seven. Like, like, yeah, like, like we did it. And it was just, I don't know. Kenny Omega really selling the ass injury after the after they go through the two tables. Uh-huh. Like he was really limping. Yep. Um, I was expecting to see like a, a report of him having some injuries in his lower back to either be a legitimate injury or sure. even just to sell the story. 
Yeah. Uh, I haven't been on the dirt sheets in like two days, so I'm sure they're, <laughs> they're probably flooded with them. But and and again, there's a whole you know Matt's hurt his mm-hmm. his ankle. ankle. Yep. They, they developed that injury and made that be, be weaved through all of these matches. And now you got to think like they've had to fight even harder these past three matches. They've had to do right. more than their competitors have in order to get these three wins right. to continue on in in the the series. So you have them being that exhausted. Fortune, they have two weeks, and we will see that resolution at the January 11th Dynamite. Um, I might have to take the work off the next day because yeah, right. that's going to that's gonna be a hell of a night. And not to be that guy, you got to think about it. Let's be real here. Let's break the fourth wall down a little bit. Kenny Omega has to go all the way to Japan, fight Will Ospreay, come all the way home, and that's then true. a few days later fight in this match in L.A. That is true. These guys are exhausted. Like It's not going to be an easy victory if they do win it and i do want to ask you one more time before this happens okay do you think that the elite are still going to pick up this win i still believe that the elite are going to get this win okay i don't think it could be a bad choice either which way i think that whoever wins this it's justified nobody can sit there and say well they did this and they did that and cheated and sneaked right. like no there was there was seven matches that's a clear cut winner i think the amount of star power that the elite have right now compared to Death Triangle, whether it's good heat or bad heat, I think they're going to put the belts back on them. Okay. Okay. Now we're on that. We're on that real quick. <laughs> I'm going to put a little offshoot with this. Okay. We haven't talked a lot about it. Yeah. But I'm going to bring it up. Okay. So you put the belts on the elite, hypothetically. Okay. Put the belts on the elite. You have now put over the team that was stripped of their titles. Right. Following the all-out altercation at the media scrum. Right. Which we so, still have never found out what happened. Supposedly. This right. is all hearsay. Right. No, this is nobody all, aside from Ace Steel has been fired for this. Right. And I don't think, I, I don't, I, we don't know the exact details. We know a general idea. No. Apparently and Dax then, does, but. And, 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 and <laughs> yeah. Um. So with that in mind, you put the belts on the elite, the team that was a part of a possibly company changing event. Right. That they're a part of creating in the first place. Is CM Punk going to show up? God, a piece of me hopes so. Especially after Dax Harwood took off after... um, William Regal's podcast and has been really pushing CM Punk oh, and he how had, he hopes he everybody can episode. kind of, yep, he did say, you know, agreed. To, yeah, he to basically said he wants all four members, uh, basically the elite being uh, the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, as well as CM Punk to come together to figure out a way how to get through all of this. And I right. think all of us want that do we think it's going to happen i don't think so i don't know it's either i don't think so it's never going to happen and we're never going to hear from cm punk in an aw ring again right or this is 100 percent of fucking work right i i, I don't know there's no clear-cut answer i don't still. know like I, all these months later in in 2000 and now 23 it's insane to think like there's still yep. the possibility of this is a work yeah do but I, cm punk has made jokes about it like in some of the, and, the jobs he's had recently like you don't want me backstage, you know. He's well, yeah. He had the he had that MMA commentary. Uh, he's tweeted out 
a handful of uh, pictures of different AEW superstars. He's even retweeted a response to everything of, you know, m- making all parties get along. Yeah, to, I saw he, that too. He just retweeted it and said, duh. Um, so it seems like either we're not getting the whole story. No, and, we're not getting the whole story. I mean, I know we're not getting the whole story. But do you think there's a possibility that Punk could be working an angle? Yes. But I feel like if that would have happened. What's the probability like, that that would happen at January 11th? I've thought about it. Could you imagine the main event, right? Match seven, ladder match. The Young Bucks and yep. Kenny Omega. They finally the executives. After haven't heard anything being, from anybody. After being stripped of their titles unceremoniously. Right. After having to fight seven matches to get regain their gold. Right. They get to the top of the ladder. Kenny Omega pulls the, the title belts off of the thing. The music goes. It's fucking, you know, <laughs> carry on my wayward son. The fucking confetti goes. And then you just hear fucking cult of personality cut through everything. And you just see CM Punk walk out, and that would make the entire wrestling world shit its little panties. It would. You know, they, they did, like, the long game with uh, MJF. He, he said all that stuff. He said, fire me. Pretty much told Tony Khan, fuck you. Was suspended, air quotes, for, mm-hmm. like, months. And then no, he was never finally suspended. came back. He was never suspended. It was theorized because... The day he was supposed to come back, and he did come back, was just just a day after the 90 days from when he would have been suspended. It was all coincidental, like, uh-huh. well, if you did the numbers. Right. So he never got suspended, but it sure as hell made sense, like, it almost like he was. Right, exactly. I mean, I, they've done it before. They turned, they turned a, a shoot into a work. Yep. And what it's I, not unheard of. What I find interesting, okay, is right before that first match where the Elite came back and debuted again in AEW for the first time in months. Right. Before the match happened, there was some type of interview with Kenny Omega and somebody had asked about CM Punk and he basically said, like, we're, we're not going to talk about it. Yep. He we, said, let bygones be bygones. Like, acted cool, calm, and collected. Yep. But the second... That, that match. the three of them were walking down that ramp to get into the ring. Yep. They were just frothing at the bit to get everybody they to bit. basically oh, yeah. cheer fuck CM Punk. They he did the he did the GTS. Yep. Matt botched a the lariat. The lariat. The buckshot, yeah. And I think there was something else that they did. Uh, there was like the praying hands, which That's was like right. a nod to CM Punk. I think Nick did the praying hands before yep. he jumped off. Yeah. Yep. Um. And yeah, like like you said, Kenny Omega was three, four days off of doing an interview of letting bygones be bygones and letting things just lay where they are. And I actually some think it was the same private. day, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know. It was either way. It was within it was within that time frame of you shouldn't be doing that, right? Uh, oh, and then the bite, Kenny Omega bit pop. Yes, on the arm, on the where arm. He got bit. The left arm where he had a bite mark from. I mean, come on, like I don't know. And then yeah, and then that was it. That was the last you ever heard of it. Yeah, Dax ends up having a podcast, uh, and the first thing he starts talking about is is the CM Punk situation. First episode, yeah. I mean, granted, it was later in the episode. I ended but up sure, listening to it. Sure, he could have talked about anything. Tony Khan doesn't have an issue with that. Like, I it, you, you feel I feel like especially with the way that that 
William Regal left AEW to where mm-hmm. he still had a few months left on his contract, went to Tony, said, hey, yada, yada, yada. And Tony was like, great, you've been a great asset. Let me, let me grant you this favor. Right. Knowing the amount of the reach that he has, because he didn't have that podcast until he went to AEW. Right. Knowing the reach that he had and then them turning it over to Dax Harwood and the co-host has, he said he wanted to do a podcast with Dax right. anyways. You can't tell me that Tony Khan didn't know about that and didn't hear about the CM Punk episode and didn't hear about like, and granted Dax didn't drop anything like mind blowing, like, oh my God, but it really was one of those things. Like if this was WWE, Vince McMahon would lose his mind. Of over course. That. But after like the, the, the amount of things that Dax has done this year, he took that opportunity with that platform to, to talk about CM Punk. It was just the, really the, interesting. Especially the first episode, knowing right. that there's going to be micro, like, uh, microscopes looking at that Absolutely. podcast. I mean, yeah, that's kind of that's exactly what I'm I'm getting at. Is you have such a polarized event with him coming out with that podcast after all of this and talking about such a a volatile topic. Maybe it was for the ratings. Maybe it's for the for the the listens. Like maybe he's just being a a good podcaster and picking a hot topic that he knows people are going to listen to. But I feel like something like that would have ruffled a few feathers in AEW. Sure. Uh, you know, with such sensitive information that Absolutely. hasn't been released to the no. public. And, Tony and, Khan like, has never discussed it. And like I said, I'm not saying that Dax has released any like, oh my God, my, like it's blown the whole case open information, but it kind of gives you a little bit of a different look to the situation. Right. Back to the topic at hand, uh, we are going to see a match seven, January 11th, Death Triangle versus the Elite or the AEW Trios Tag Team Championship. Wish I would have said that in one word, but I didn't. That's okay. <laughs> uh, but we will be seeing that January 11th. And if that's not the main event, I don't know what's going to be. Oh, absolutely. It will be, I'm sure. Insanely excited to see that. I didn't think I would be at this point. I yep. thought I would have been sick of this, but they have done this feud just right to make you want to see the next one. They have, and now that it's a new year, AW Dynamite and Rampage will be debuting like a new look. Yep, everybody resets back to zero, and AEW will have, I guess, like a red and a red and blue look. Mm-hmm. Looks good. It's got like the you know, like laser lights kind of look. It, it looks really serious. It looks elevated. Uh, you, they're going to be changing up the logo a little bit. If you've ever played Beat Saber, yeah, very Beat, Beat Saber. Saber, then you it has that like three D world look. Um, I'm sure there's going like to be it. countless uh, laughs and pokes of fun at the fact that it's red and blue, just like SmackDown or Raw. They're primary whatever. colors. What do you want, man? I know, right? Um, but yeah, that's going to be good. So we'll see that. Well, we'll see that this coming up week. Yes, we will. Uh, but we still have Ruby Soho and Willow Nightingale taking on Ty Conti and Anna Jay. And we finally get the answer to, are they still Tay Jay or Ty Jay? And, and they are. They are, but, but they're they Ty J-A-S. Ty J-A-S. I hate it. That's awful. I don't know if I'm supposed to hate it, but I hate it. Uh, maybe. So, I, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I wasn't really looking forward to this. I, I'm okay. a big fan Understand. of Willow. That's yep. my girl. Uh, Ruby Soho coming back. That's great, obviously. I, I like Ruby Soho. And she's got right. the whole thing with, with uh, Ty Conti, who took her out for several months by Broke breaking her, her nose. Poor nose. That poor girl. Flatten that thing. On the pre-show. 
too. It was yeah. awful. And if you watched it, like you saw it. It was bad. We, we you could tell that. Ortiz could tell instantly. It took the like, breath out of, out, of, out of my chest. I was like, ooh, because yeah. she, she got kicked in the nose or kneed in the nose and dropped. She didn't even take the bump. She straight dropped to the ground and Ty had to make the most awkward cover on her. Yeah, definitely was checking on her. It was bad. But at any rate, so there was some storyline within, within this, but it seemed like the stereotypical here's two women and here's a tag team match. Right. Um, well, it, she and it ended up. Well, and all this is stemming from, from her losing the match previously. Right. Against uh, Ty. Hey. Yes. Or well, yeah, Ruby Soha just picked up this win, what, Rampage last week? No, she lost to her. Oh, I thought she won. No, no, no. She lost the tie, and that's how this tag team ended up getting developed, and that's why Ruby's not really too happy about having to do a tag gotcha. or a one-on-one. Well, that was that's what I really liked about this match, and it, it kind of snuck up on me was, you know, Willow is like the sweetest person in the whole mm-hmm. world, and she's like super happy, and she's smiling, she's waving, and she's got like the most fantastic smile. And Ruby comes out, and she just stands there and gives her like the most disgusted look, just very unhappy. Yep. Going super heel, looks like. And and I liked it. Yeah. It vibed well, as weird as it was. It was a good tag team. Um, there was a lot of dissension between the two of them, though. And they they hinted towards it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and ended up, they, they didn't end up getting the win, either. Uh, no, they didn't. So, I, I could see them doing a, a story between Willow and, and Ruby. Yeah. Um, I thought they were going to go the direction of them, making them a tag team. And I'm kind of glad they didn't. Going back and talking about how the ending went down, we said previously that Ty had broke Ruby's nose. Right. So Ty did her finisher, which is the Ty KO, just how she broke her nose previously. Mm-hmm. The weakest finisher I think I've ever seen in my life. She must yeah. have missed her by a mile, which I'm sure Ruby appreciated in the sense that she wasn't going to re-break her nose. But Lord have mercy, that was awful. Yeah, the camera angle was bad and it translated bad. There was about a foot of space between her <laughs> knee and her face. It was bad. Um, again. I don't blame her, but uh, a shame. There's a way to do it. Now, what something we, we didn't actually discuss talking about previously, but did happen, was the night of this match was supposed to be Ty, and, Ty Conti and Sammy Guevara were supposed to, They're supposed to defend their, defend their AAA mixed, mixed tag, tag t- titles and didn't show. Yeah, no called, no show. Yeah, um, Conan said he was sending somebody to go and get the tag titles from them. Stripped right. them of it, claimed that they had asked for special referees and for a stylist, makeup stylist and hairstylist right. for Ty Conti, and that they were just absolutely being ridiculous. So interesting. If I that feel comes like out to be true. I feel like it, <laughs> I I feel like that's a work. Personally, yeah. Um, I couldn't see Tony Khan trying to have a good relationship with AAA. Yeah, and and, and booking having, a match the same night. Yeah, and having you know. But I mean, they did. FTR did just drop the AAA titles. Yep. The other day, so I mean that it could just be they're on the outs with each other. Yeah, that is true. But who knows? But this match was it was the match was good. Uh, I feel like the ending, like you said, the the finish was weak. But I feel like the last two to three minutes of the match was just very. The girls looked like they were tired. Um, not lack of skill, just they looked they very winded. Uh, so the end of the match wasn't the greatest, the, the, but I, I'm sure we'll be seeing more of everybody pretty much. All right. And to wrap up AEW Dynamite, let's talk about Samoa Joe versus Wardlow for the TNT Championship. Your main event of the night, and it was interesting. It was. And again, so let's remember, Wardlow's got the messed up knee. 
Uh, Samoa Joe comes out, does his, you know, usual Samoa Joe strut to the ring. Yep. And Wardlow's music hits and no, no Wardlow. Shows. And we, up until this point, we still have not heard a medical update uh, throughout the entire show. They keep leading towards it, saying that they're waiting, they're waiting, they're waiting. Uh, they don't hear anything. Wardlow's music plays and nothing happens. Joe grabs the mic and starts saying, well, it looks like he chickened out and, you know, I tried, stage fright. I tried to find an opponent and couldn't find anybody. And all of a sudden Wardlow comes tearing ass through the, through the back, you know, yep. you got medical personnel and staff and I'll tell you what, he stuffed one of those security guards. He I don't did. know if he did it by accident, but he straight <laughs> tried to stiff arm the guy and it looked like he straight right, like hooked him right in the mouth. And he came out to the ring limping, uh, jumped in the ring and they started their match and I mean, it was a pretty good match. They sold the they sold the knee injury for a little bit. Joe obviously focused on it. I think at one point Wardlow actually tweaked his other knee because he was limping on. on you even said like, "Oh, he's limping on the bad. other knee." He must have forgot what knee. I was like, "No, he he, he tweaked you, the other you, one." You go back. He like tweaked his love <laughs> the knee. And he, uh, I think it was his left knee that was his good one that he ended up tweaking. Yeah, exactly. So he's like wobbling on both legs. Um, I, a great match. Like really thought that it was gonna go Wardlow's yeah. way. He hit the phenomenal swanton bomb that he's been doing lately. He even managed to powerbomb Samoa Joe. He's just so fucking strong. It's unreal. Yep. Like, he got just one loving in. loving that. He got one in. I, he some, I think it was an assisted one. I don't know how. Uh, but I remember it wasn't like one uh, raw powerbomb. But he went for a second one, went to lift him up. His legs gave out. Uh, and Samoa Joe just annihilated him. Ended up getting the win. And... Rear naked chokehold. Yep, and, and and here we go with another. He managed to make some pass out. Wardlow which, passes out. Which, within like seconds. Okay, if they would have just done it here, I would have been okay with it. I would have been okay with it because I like the way that Wardlow played it off. There's, there's several ways that you can play off passing out. Right. And most people just, they just eventually wake up and they get up and they walk off. Yep. But Wardlow played it off really well that he grabbed Paul he Turner's out. ankle. Oh yeah, he, he was disoriented. Wake up. He was getting ready to like, you know, like grab a hold of him and start wrestling Paul. Yep, like yep. he was and all confused. I liked that aspect of sold it. Sold it so really well. It would have been really good for somebody like Samoa Joe to get that, but they didn't need to also do it at the beginning of the show. So the beginning of the show and the end of the show both had right. people passing out from the submission. Right. Um, well, at the end of the match, Warlow ends up waking up, clears the cobwebs out of his head, stands up, and it looks like there's going to be a little bit of sign of respect between the two of them. And Joe smashes him over the head with the belt and proceeds to not only beat him after the bell, but humiliate him as he goes under the ring, steals scissors from a toolbox, which if you have scissors in a toolbox, I don't know what you're doing with your life, <laughs> and cuts off Wardlow's hair at pretty much what, like, man probably, but yeah, I mean, his man tail, little ponytail he's got, but cut it pretty, down, pretty low. So you're probably going to see Wardlow with a shaved head come next week, maybe. But does that mean we're going to see, like, a different side of Wardlow? Because that happens, you know, a lot in wrestling where the hair Cha determines look, the yeah. man. A, a change in look, <laughs> change in attitude. Yeah. Because they've got to do something with Wardlow. They've yeah, got to. They built him up so well, and they've just, they put him up on a shelf, and they said, okay, now you get to look at him, because that's all he does. him. Yep. And, again, Samoa Joe beat the absolute shit out of him at the end, and then here comes Darby Allen. Darby Allen's music hits. Samoa Joe just kind of stands there in the ring. You know, getting ready to punch him, and Samoa Joe yep. gets absolutely clobbered. It legit, he got oh, really hurt with Darby Allen's skateboard. We will be seeing Samoa Joe taking on Darby Allen on the January 
fourth edition of Dynamite. In Seattle. In Seattle, uh, Darby's hometown. Uh, yes. He also had a backstage segment with Sting uh, where he doubted Sting's, you know, belief in Darby and Sting gave him a hell of a motivational speech and kind of smacked the shit out of him and said, get your head out of your ass and go win that title back. Yep. So there's going to be, you know, that's, that's Darby's, you know, his only title that he's held in AEW. But his reign was phenomenal it was when he great. was the TNT really championship was. because he was the type of guy, and so was Cody. You really got to give him credit, too. Oh, for that sure. That came out every single week and accepted a challenge. And speaking of individuals that ex- accept challenges, we'll move on to Rampage. Orange Cassidy takes on his friend, Trent Beretta. One of his best friends. One of his best. Oh, after this match, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for the All-Atlantic Championship. And this was a great match. I really love this. We had Kip Sabian on commentary. And uh, Paul White. And Paul White, of all people. The big show. Uh, Captain Insano yes. himself. <laughs> uh, great to have an additional person to have on there actually on commenting on that. I've heard that Tony Schiavone has actually numbered the amount of time, the amount of time he has left in AEW announcing and being active in wrestling. So we may be seeing a change in commentary here in the near future in a few years. And of well, course, Jim Ross is pretty high up there as well. Of so. course, he said when he hits 50 years, then he's probably going to retire too. And I think so. that's, I think this is his final year of that. I think that if we're going to talk about that for a moment, they have plenty of talent that will fit that. Absolutely. I think Chris Jericho is going to be one of those people yep. and he'll finally get to a spot where he's going to be the like Christopher Daniels in the back, maybe commentary. And of course, you got Excalibur, um, who's he's obviously not going anywhere. One of the absolute stars. Honest to God, I love hearing Daddy Magic on the mm-hmm. microphone. He's I, super entertaining. I've, I've really grown to like Taz, to be honest oh, with Taz you. Taz is great. Especially if you watch Dark, like he's great on Dark. He is the goofiest dude on Dark. But yeah. honestly, I, I really enjoy Taz. Because he does have a lot of technical technical knowledge about the moves that's going on. He does. On and the, the nuances of yeah. certain moves and, and why ha- they work. And how bad that they hurt. You know, he'll tell you like, oh, oh yeah. when that move happens, it makes your, your fingers tingle and it hurts so much. And you're like, oh, okay. Like, it's, that's why he's selling it. Like, it hurts so bad. Like, it, it's Taz so, is really it's so good crazy that, that Taz, this jovial individual. I mean, granted, you see his mean streaks every once in a while. But he's, for the most part, he's always laughing and joking. Like. Yeah, he was like he was like a murderer <laughs> like when you saw him you're like oh shit that's taz like you're gonna die dude like you're right? going to die he's going to rip your spine out of your body <laughs> like that's taz and now he here he is singing uh rancid singing ruby soho's ruby you know, ruby, theme song. ruby 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 <laughs> i love it uh, but we had orange Cassidy taking on trent um and this i love this the I setup really... for this was good though let's talk about that really quick we had uh in a backstage segment between Kip Sabian, basically talking shit to Orange Cassidy about how he's basically ducking him all the time. And Orange Cassidy goes, yeah, but you suck. Um, and, tr- you know, Kip basically says he deserves a title shot. Right. Because he threw Orange Cassidy out of the rumble. Right. And that's when Trent Beretta said, well, if we're going to sit here and talk about the, the... Who threw who? Yeah, I threw you out. So Orange Cassidy looked over and said, you're right. Trent gets a shot first. And lo and behold, here we are, and this is definitely pulling on the the strings of friendship when mm-hmm. it comes to the best friends because Trent Beretta was not happy with this loss. Obviously, I, Orange Cassidy ends up picking up the win um, with not only a beach break, but had to hit him with the orange punch. Which he hesitated to do. Like, at he did fr- yeah, not want to do it. Um, and Kip really made a good point on commentary. He said, do you really think that Trent Beretta would want Orange Cassidy to hold back? Like, he mm-hmm. would want... 
Orange Cassidy to hit the orange punch. And he eventually does, but with a lot of hesitation. And also Chuck Taylor was really upset with Orange Cassidy that he was punching Trent. And it's like, well, what did you expect? Right. Like, Like, what? It's his championship. (laughs) Yeah. Like, what did you expect? So Danhausen was definitely Team Orange, but everybody else was definitely Team Trent. So it seemed like there might be that breakup, which well, probably isn't the worst thing. Well, best friends, they, the best friends were a heel faction for a little bit, and it mm-hmm. wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. Um, but yeah, he ends up getting the win. Kip Sabian had a very short match after yep. after Orange Cassidy and basically used his entire moveset and poked fun at Orange Cassidy the whole time, and I'm sure we're going to see that January 11th, uh, Kip Sabian versus Orange Cassidy for the AEW all-Atlantic Championship. I've been excited to see Kip Sabian come back ever since he's been doing the boxing in he's the crowd. He's great. Penelope's yeah. great, who mm-hmm. who did try to interfere That's in that right. match That's with right. Orange That's Cassidy how actually, and Trent. That is how Orange got the win. He, yep. he was able to, or she distracted uh, Trent. Trent, thank you. And he got the got the Orange punch with the one, two, three. And so storyline seeds everywhere. Excited, excited, excited. I say it all the time. I know it's, I, sound, I must sound like an absolute mark for AEW and WWE when I, I mark out on these storylines, but really I, I get excited for this stuff. I watch it and I look forward to the next week and I do. I look at the positive that's all this good, stuff and you know? I love it. I and love that's it. what we try to portray here is there is some negative to, to both promotions, to of all course. promotions. Of course. But we're trying to highlight the really good things and the things that we like the most, not really try to be negative. So. I think AEW has terrible long term storytelling and I think WWE yes. has terrible uh, capabilities of bringing up new talent. Yes. But there. that's a whole different story. So let's talk about something that I, again, I wasn't necessarily looking forward to. Kiera Hogan versus Jade Cargill. I know Kiera you, hasn't really been my favorite. You've been very critical of Kiera Hogan's performance uh-huh. ever since she's gotten to AEW. And I think she used to be on Impact as well. Like she's yes, done she, some wrestling. She actually, she, she had a very successful run in Impact. And I yeah. think that's what gave her the, the repertoire to get into AEW and got signed for AEW. Was I think that the, her run through the impact? I know very little about it. Yeah. I know very little of impact yeah. the past couple of years. Yeah, she is Diamante's girlfriend, right? Which we haven't seen on AEW, AEW television at all. in a hot minute. No, maybe maybe dark. We haven't been watching a lot of dark because we've been super busy with everything else. But she had a match with Jade Cargill and for the TNT Championship, yes. or TBS Championship. Thank you for the TBS Championship. Uh, former baddie, and I think that's that was, was a... just the the string holding all of this together. Was that right. she used to be a baddie and Jade let her go. And I feel like we went into this match thinking, oh, this is going to be a real quick one because you have after this like Swerve versus are. Wheeler Yuta, you, you know? figured, okay, you're going to have a lot of time to the main event. I was I was very happy with this match. Jade had to work her ass off on this one to she get did. the win. She did. Um, one thing that I really liked about this match, though, was that Kiera and Jade were outside of the ring and uh, Layla Gray was holding Kiera. Yep. And Jade went to go, I think, like, slap. Kiera and Red Velvet caught Jade's arm yeah. and looked at her and Jade was kind of just like what the hell like why did you stop to me do it again. and she stopped her again yep and then so, which opened a window for Kiera to hit her right so that was interesting and then after Jade got the win Red Velvet just, just walked left. off yeah it went right up the ramp and even even Jade looked very confused in the ring like where the hell is Red Velvet at yeah this um, might be an opportunity for for Red Velvet to come in here and fight Jade I think Red Velvet is a much better face than she is a heel. Not that she's a bad heel. She's a great heel. Right. But she's a really, really good face. And I think that she needs to be over and she needs to come back to what she was before she was part of the baddies. And 
establish herself and have a really good match with Jade. I'm looking forward to that. Well, before she does that, she needs to actually have a good chemistry with her because next week she's going to have a match with a tag match with her and Jade uh, against Kara Hogan and Sky Blue. I think that's just going to, again, just add more fuel to the flame here. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. But I don't that- think they're going to they're going to team very well on this one. And for our AEW Rampage main event, we had Swerve Strickland taking on Wheeler Yuta. Uh, this is set up from Renee Paquette was interviewing Swerve and his two new affiliates, which one of them is obviously Parker Bordreau. Um, the other one, uh, they haven't named him yet on AEW, but if you do some uh, digging around, we found out he is a former baseball player. Turned pro wrestler, I guess. He's been in contract with AEW for a few months now. They've just now decided to use him. Um, I don't know what they're going to call him. I know he's got something to the effect of, I don't know, like Kowalski Killer or something like okay. that on his Swerve Instagram. Said something about Killer. Yeah. Killer. Yeah. You'll see him soon. Um, but they had an interview backstage with Renee, and they were actually interrupted by Wheeler Yuta, basically calling. Uh, swerve a piece of trash for his behavior. And yeah, he said that he didn't like how he treated uh, Keith Lee during the during right. final battle, um, that he was just basically a piece of trash yep. and said, you know, if you want something dirty, we know about dirty in the Black Blackpool Combat Club and let's go toe-to-toe on Rampage. It was not for the belt. No. but uh, Which a lot of people I did see had an issue that a ROH champion did take a loss in a normal one-on-one match. Uh, I don't know. I guess you're, you're nitpicking at shit here. I think that's okay here. Like, I really do. Like, I think somebody like Swerve is not obviously known as an independent wrestler here, like, like on his own in that circumstance. Like, he's known right. to be in the tag team with Keith Lee. And he did a really good job with that. But now it's his opportunity to be a singles competitor. Right. And show off what he can do. And honestly, I think this was my favorite match I've ever seen of Swerve in AEW. Right. I really loved it. Him and Wheeler did a phenomenal job. Oh, yeah. Now, one thing that was really funny that happened beforehand, every time that the main event happens in Rampage, you don't watch Rampage, which you really should. Mark Henry always does. What are you the, still listening the, if you don't watch Rampage? I don't know why you don't. It's it's honestly great, and they've been doing a great job of bringing top-notch entertainment to a one-hour show. But there's an interview with Mark Henry that always happens before the the main event, and John Moxley actually makes a mention to Swerve that Killshot is one of his favorite wrestlers. And Killshot is the name that Swerve used to go by when he was in the Lucha Underground. Um, Which, if you've never seen Swerve in Lucha Underground, again, wow. You don't see Swerve. You see Killshot. Killshot, yes. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, this match was good. Um, Swerve ended up taking the win. I love Heel Swerve. Yeah, Heel Swerve's good. I it's like it. It's really good. He shines as a heel. The laughter, like the way his promos come off. That back kick that he does, that he did oh, in Wheeler's head. <sighs> Nasty. Nasty. We rewatched it, and then Mark had to rewind that part like five times because it just, you feel it in your soul. Well, I missed it the first time. I was looking down, and then we went back and watched it, and I then had to watch it three or four times. I was like, that's not the same kick. Like, my God. I thought he broke his, fuck, it broke his head off. <laughs> now, at some point, Stefan Smith, who is the referee for this match, mm-hmm. does get knocked out. Uh, I think Wheeler Yuta pushed Swerve into Stefan, 
So he was not really paying attention and then Swerve. Yeah, he was like recovering in the corner. Yep. Swerve did end up kicking Wheeler right in the newts. Ooh, he straight. Uh, boy, mm, 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 it was mm. a straight punt kick. He put everything into that kick. Yes, I, he did. I, I don't know how he how Wheeler's still talking at the, at the normal level. Nobody in AEW was pulling punches this week. No, not at all. They said, you know, it's the end of the year. Um, make people hurt. Make sure people are are have visible injuries for the new year. Last televised, you know, TV wrestling event. Yep. Look at what year. look at what happened with the women's match last year. Right. But it was great, and like you said, yeah, Swerve actually picked up the win. And I'm not mad at it. No. I'm not mad Wheeler lost. I think this was, again, really good for Swerve. Right. I, I still think Wheeler looked great. It wasn't like Wheeler had a bad loss. I mean, he got kicked in the newts. Yep. What are you going to do? Well, that'll do it for AEW for this week. Uh, we do have Dynamite on the 4th coming up. We'll have Tony Nese taking on Brian Danielson. Uh, there was a backstage segment with uh, Mark Sterling and the Premier Athletes. Premier Athletes? What are they called? The Varsity Athletes? The Varsity Premiers? Varsity. I don't know what the hell they are now. Tony Nese uh-huh. and uh, Josh Woods. Um, somehow, I guess Mark Sterling's going above and beyond past MJF and is having Tony Nese fight Brian Danielson next week. Uh, we also have the acclaim. We'll be taking on Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. They debuted a music video um, on Dynamite previously, which yes. go back and watch it. It's funny and it's it takes hysterical. a hell of a shot at Jeff Jarrett. Oh yeah. Um, in regards to his wife and. Him stealing, stealing him, her from Kurt Angle years ago. Uh, we also have, like I said, uh, we've talked about before, Kiera Hogan and Sky Blue will be taking on Red Velvet and Jade Cargill in tag team action. Uh, Samoa Joe and Darby Allen for the TBS, God damn it, the TNT Championship. <laughs> I never get them right. And then we have Ricky Starks taking on Chris Jericho after uh, Chris Jericho invited Ricky Starks to the JAS. And- yep, he declined he called him a bunch of jazz holes i've got to be honest though they are really hyping that match what between ricky and jericho yes yes they are yes a lot of promos a lot of if you follow them on social media it's really being plugged Mm -hmm. i think they're really gonna put on a good show for the first show of the year so looking forward to covering that really yeah yeah this will be the end of our 2022 coverage of wrestling um yeah that'll do it Next, I mean, it is twenty twenty three right now, but yeah, we'll next be covering will be... SmackDown for for. Uh, oh, that's right. We will be talking about SmackDown, so we're not done with twenty twenty two yet. A a brief touch with you know. We'll be touching in two WWE. different years. <laughs> two different years, twenty twenty two, twenty twenty three. Uh, SmackDown Raw that will be coming out Wednesday ish. Should be. Um, but thank you so much for joining us. If you've enjoyed what you've heard and you'd like to hear more, make sure you subscribe to Coffee and Wrestling, a wrestling podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. And be sure to leave us a five-star review. We really appreciate it. And tell a friend about us. The best way for us to grow and bring you even more content every week is by word of mouth. Or just share us on your social media pages. And of course, remember to follow at CAW Wrestling Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, where we repost every podcast in video format, and we live tweet along with AEW and WW shows and pay-per-view. Follow me on Twitter. I'm at a bacon party. I'm at Gunk Dudley. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Coffee and Wrestling, a wrestling podcast.
If you've enjoyed what you've heard and you'd like to hear more, make sure you subscribe to Coffee and Wrestling, a wrestling podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you listen to Spodcast. God damn it, I said Spodcast! <laughs> <laughs> that was really good, though.